From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And I am Katie. And I grabbed the wrong thing on the mixing board. <laughs> and you played the wrong intro music. That didn't get... Dude, you know what? It's been a day. This is, uh, what, the fourth show of the day? Yes. All right. Uh, so before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as, as, well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the fur link of our homepage and join today. So I'm going to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Tyler Romanski, and Hop and Barrel Brewing. Uh, if you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash or click on the patron link of our homepage at blindnessstudios.com. All right, Brian. What have you been up to beer related lately? Oh man, we this is the fourth time we've done this today. <laughs> yeah, well, how about you talk about your own goddamn podcast? Oh, yeah, the, we did the Hop and Barrel Brewing podcast today. Did we recorded episodes 2 and 3. I'm super happy with yep. the direction that's going. Um, but we sampled Minnesconsin and and uh, Crooked Grin, and all the while we're drinking cans of those nitro. A lot of Guinness tonight. Nitro widget Guinness, and I for this episode I switched to a Modelo, and I think that will be it for me for the night. Uh, can we can we can we talk about how great Crooked Crooked Grin is? Like that's just a fantastic beer. Huge fan. Like just, good citrus and good. pine, uh, nice clean uh, West Coast IPA uh, is one of our t- bigger sellers. So, All right. you have some breweries saying West Coast doesn't sell. I call bullshit. Make make yeah, one, make make a, make a better one. Mm-hmm. Well, you know if they could make anything out there in a haze, they would. So, well. uh, Katie, what have you been up to beer related? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna default to what I'm drinking right now. All right, what are you drinking right now? <laughs> I am drinking Founders All Day IPA. That's, a, ooh, that's a good beer. It's a great beer. I, yeah. I it's something that I haven't had in probably a couple years, and it's just solid. It's good stuff. Very nice. Um, let's see. I went out to um, Rush River Brewing mm-hmm. um, here in beautiful River Falls, uh, and they uh, did the release of their Winter Warmer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Really like that beer. Um, it's it's a fun one with a lot of stories, uh, at least personal stories behind it for me. Uh, accidentally do, accidentally buying pictures of it, not knowing what it was, <laughs> oh. and it's a nine like, percent beer. And, sounds about right. Uh, but it's it's very good. It's fantastic. I really like that beer. Uh, yeah. So I had a couple of those, and then some of their minion, mm-hmm. and it was just good to be out and about. So what what style would the winter warmer fall under? Do you think? I want to say it's it's in the wee heavy. Don't they yeah. kind of so, do think. it differently every year? I don't. No, uh, so they discontinued it for two or three years. Oh, maybe that's why it's not on my radar. Yep. But yeah, so they they stopped doing it for a while. I have been a Rush River fan for nearly fifteen years. Yeah, they call it a uh, a winter warmer or a Scotch ale. I'm sorry. A Scotch ale, yeah. So I think it's the mm. wee heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, which again, you don't get a lot of wee heavies, especially not like not barrel aged wee heavies. That too. Um, and this is just just a straight like caramel bomb, mm-hmm. which is really nice. 
Did they have any infusions of it at the tap room? They tended to do. Uh, they of, did okay. not this time. Okay. Um, right now they're just kind of happy to have a tap room open. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, same here. Kind of. That's where everybody's at right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, because everything's closed in Minnesota, and now the Minnesota people are right. here. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> We're so happy yeah. to help our brethren to the west. Stop stabbing people. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so how about we talk about Theos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so is... we're, we're continuing our hop conversation. Yep. We are in, uh, was this chapter 12? 11. 11. 11 of the new IPA, Scientific Guide to Hop and Aroma and Flavor by Scott Janish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to continue our book club uh, by talking about Theos. Uh, a lot of you have been wondering where our book club has been. Well, we're afraid of this topic. So. Yes, we've been avoiding it. <laughs> <laughs> Last, uh, well, maybe not last, but a, f- a few weeks ago we were going to do this, and it was it just was. Decided. We looked at each other. And we're like, no, let's just no. push it off. And then push it off. the same. And then the same thing, thing happened, happened the following week, week. and yeah. now we're here. Yeah, here we are. Here yeah, we are. We actually so. have to do it because I'm excited to talk about uh, chapter twelve, which uh, we'll get into hop extracts and stuff like that, and that's very exciting to me. Yeah. So we have to go. We have we to have eat our to, vegetables we first. Have to do eleven, yeah. Uh, so thiols are—they're um, actually sulfur compounds. We're just gonna jump right in. Yeah, Do jump it. right in, Katie. Take they're, us. They're actually uh, sulfur compounds. So um, some some kind of more um, notable sulfur compounds, which would be our, our thiols, are the skunk scent, and also um, that that compound that they put in um, natural gas and propane to give it that rotten egg smell. That is also. Um, considered a theol. So you'd think, like, okay. theol's bad in hops. And there are several bad theol. So let me just, I'm sorry, back up. Um, the less than 1% of these of these theols are, are in the hop oil. So it isn't a ton, but they also have a really low f- flavor aroma threshold. So they, they, they're extremely low. They're super highly detectable um, mm. uh, with the human palate. And there are, you know, he describes four of them or I'm sorry, four groups of them. And of the four, only one is actually what we're looking for. So, you know, we're, we're kind of working against a lot here with um, these 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 compounds and hops. So the, the first couple, and I, honestly, I'm not going to get into to, to names, but a couple of them are uh, protein, are derived from protein degradation, and those are the ones that would smell like sul- sulfur compounds like onions, Yeah, right, cabbage. like think about that for a second. Like you're degrading protein. What is protein? Like it's being degraded and it's causing those smells. And then, Yeah, like rotting, like rotting yeah, smells like right. onions, exactly. cabbage. Yeah. So like he says in the book, uh, things that are better suited aromas for for a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, another thing to think about is um, this water theols and the sulfur containing compounds. I really, really like looking like this chart that he put at the what on, what, uh, what page? Uh, page, page yeah, I looked at that. Yeah, page twenty six. Yeah. Um, this this I think this is the 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 callback to that. So you you've got your hydrocarbons, uh, oxygen containing compounds, and then these sulfur containing compounds. Yeah. That yeah, which is less than one percent of the hop, but they all all have low sensory. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a they're a small percentage of the hop oils, but they can play a role in the flavor flavor development because of how low the sensory thresholds are. Yeah. So he also makes another joke here: silent but deadly. For sulfur. That's a fart <laughs> joke. Fart joke. That's a fart joke. If I've heard one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's those protein-derived uh, theols. There's also theol esters, which uh, are loosely related to alcohols, 
and those can can give undesirable traits like cooked cabbage, garlic, and onion as well. Um, uh, you know, both of these these protein and theoesters are are negative, obviously negative for beer. The last one that's negative is the sulfur-containing um, terpenoids, which are basically lipids, um, and those are negative. And they didn't—he didn't really get into too much discussion about what what those characters would come through as. Uh, but the last one um, that is can be very important in beer, in beer because of the low f uh, flavor threshold, but also the the, the great impact are polyfunctional thiols, which. Um, can can lead to uh, intense fruity flavors, and this is where we're getting into the four MMP, right? What we do MH. want out yeah, of this, yeah, yeah. So these can be uh, black currant, passion fruit, guava, guava. Is that yeah, yeah? Yep. Uh, grapefruit, gooseberry, etc. Um, and those are obviously things that, if especially if you're brewing a hazy IPA, you're you're probably going to want in in those beers. So. Um, you know, this is where the the, the chapter kind of goes into where and why these polyfunctional feels happen. There's a couple classes of those, and stop me if I'm you know oh, yeah, no, rushing no, through no, this. No, you're, you're, no. you're good. You're good. Uh, uh, there's there's a free there's a f uh, free th free theols which are released basically anytime the hop is introduced to beer. So that would be a, a dry hop stage would be a, a great example. You throw a hop in the beer, they're going to be released. These theols are super volatile, so you have to kind of be careful with that. Um, the other the other class are the bound theols, and they those actually need an enzyme called beta lyase in order to be released. I'm so glad that you said that before the rest of us did, because Brian and I were arguing over how that beta was. Lies? Beta yeah, lyase, so. beta lyase, beta lyase, yeah. Yeah, beta lyase, beta lyase. I took bio. I took organic chemistry twice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Everybody took it twice. <laughs> it, well, uh, I pretended so to take it once. This enzyme is present. You can get a commercial example of it, which, as you read the chapter, it will talk about um, a wine. Yeah, so uh, theols are very big in wine. Yes. Uh, yeah. Especially, yep. like, white wines. Mm -hmm. A lot of the flavor is derived yeah. from these theols that we're talking like these fruity yep. theols. And they, and they, and, and, I, and I kind of... Uh, got from this chapter that he he spent a lot of time looking at different research in the wine mm -hmm. industry to be able to get this because that's where all the research was. Yeah. is it there's they're so reliant on it. Yeah, so the they have a commercial enzyme you, you can buy called Rapidase Revelation Aroma, and that has this beta lyase um, in it, and you can add small amounts of that to your fermentation, which would help um, release these theols in, with, that are um, bound in the hops. Mm -hmm. The other thing um, that they that he he talked about was yeast. There are certain yeast strains that also will you know contain this enzyme. Um, most of those yeast strains, though, he has found are mainly like white wine yeasts. So that's something where you know if you know we can talk about what you can do as a brewer to release these theols in your mm -hmm. beer. But one of them would be trying to figure out a way to blend some white the, wine yeast. With uh, your so ale. another thing I found really interesting while going through this is especially uh, there's one section um, in this chapter uh, specifically talking about 4-MMP, which is one of the theols we're talking mm -hmm. about. So we're going to be talking about 4-MMP, 3-MH, uh, 3-MHA, which is a derivative of 3-MH. Mm -hmm. um, and those are kind of the three that we're going to focus yep. on. yep. Um, but 4-MMP um, resides 
specifically in the hop, 3MH and 3MHA are both derived from that thiol yeah. in different ways, and we're going to get into that. Um, and that's part of what makes this chapter so complex is they're all coming from a single thiol and then branching yeah. off. Um, but with how we're processing hops now, the more vegetal matter you have, the more of the thiols you're picking up. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, you're going to get more theols from whole leaf versus pellet versus cryo versus extract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you know, these are things that we didn't we didn't necessarily think or know about as brewers up until mm-hmm. very recently. Um, and, you know, how, how you're utilizing hops and, and, you know, it's like chicken and the egg sort of situation. Yeah. So, but, and you know, I mean, we could, I mean, if you want, we can just dive right into the 4MMP. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So that is again has a very long um, name based on basically the the molecules that make up it. Uh, but it's uh, if, if you're if you're kind of looking on more practical terms, it's ba- it's characteristic of black currants, and that's that was kind of the big the big. Character. Yeah, I think like if we just if we just kind of focus on its flavor descriptors, yeah. I think that might yeah. make this just a little easier. Uh, the other thing that I that they noted in this book was the uh, extraction of this theol. Of course, it needs that beta lyase, mm-hmm. which is either you know the enzyme that you purchase or within the hops that you, or I'm sorry, the, the yeast, yeast that you use. But it's it's, it's and so um, in order for you to extract this and actually any of the theols, you need to be adding these hops um, closer to the end of the boil or whirlpool or in very active fermentation. Because if the yeast isn't if the yeast isn't um, readily available quickly as soon as these theols are released, it's not going to impact them. So um, they said with this, specifically this 4-MMP, uh, within the first couple days of dry hopping is when it's it's going to be most no- noticed. So okay. if you miss those, you know, and, and I would assume that that has to be like early dry hopping, you know, where, where the, the yeast yeah. is still pretty active. Yeah, where you can get that biotransform. The the interesting thing about this theol is it's you know it's the you know we talk about these having very low taste aroma thresholds. So, just a quick number: the this this theol specifically the four MMP has a point zero 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 five five parts per billion taste threshold. That's insanely <laughs> low. Yeah, and 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 line uh, line which is like, which is the one that we talk about all the time. Yeah, that's yep, the yep. hop compound, right? That has two point two. So it's like, I mean, I don't even know. I don't. It's it's a it's it's, it's a like factor of hundreds, thousands. Yeah, thousands thousands more, or or yeah, less, yeah. less uh, taste threshold. So, so I mean, it's just it you know a little goes a long way. I think in the book he mentioned something like just a little wasabi on a piece of sushi can really go yeah and, elevate know, the entire yeah. thing. And yeah, that's kind of yeah. what we're talking about with theols. Like they really. Yeah. Like they, they touch up the beer. Yeah, and and the other thing is, if you're looking for this, you know, this blackberry characteristic, or you utilizing this for MMP uh, theol, you're gonna, you know, obviously want to be using American, Australian, or New Zealand hops. And they have in the book, they have, you know, they list high levels, medium levels, and lower levels. Yeah. The lowest or no levels are European hops, but he also suggested that's because of their use of call. Cul- copper sulfate as a fungicide and copper absorbs theols. So well, kind of oh, yeah. same thing we were talking about with like copper kettles. Yeah. 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 Or it might've been a thing. Yeah. And that's really interesting to me because it's almost like 
if they stopped using that fu- or fungus. Or you were just going to say would, heat exchanger too. If you're dunk, I was going to say heat exchanger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, Although yeah. they have a whole section on that, and, and yeah. they they debuke that. But anyway, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, so high level Citra, of course, uh, Citra, uh, Eureka, Simcoe, Apollo, Cluster, and Zeus are all high level hops. If you if don't forget Mosaic, it it didn't list Mosaic. Mosaic is uh, four MMP high. Oh, I didn't read that one. <laughs> Mosaic, uh, Galaxy, Nelson, Savant. Yeah. Medium, yeah, medium are Amarillo, Savant. Cascade, Chinook, Denali, Nugget. And uh, Lower, Bravo, Calypso, Galena, Lemon Drop. Denali, Sriracha. Yeah, Hades. Willamette, all those things. So Super Galena, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, is that like Galena, Galena, but in a cape? It's higher alpha. <laughs> it's just, it's better for, it's more of your, your bitter bittering. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think yeah, we that's, can, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I feel like we can skip over potency indicator. Okay. Right. I mean, unless you guys think there's something super. Uh, no. Yeah. Talk about there. I, I want to talk about aging well, we, and bottle I mean, I could just, in oh, just yeah, kind of ahead. in practical terms, but I have some impractical terms for the, yeah. um, it, it, it says that Citra was found to be the most versatile. So the, the, the feel potency indicator was basically like, you know, they used, they created this mathematical equation to figure out when and where to use these hops. Um, basically, end of boil, whirlpool, or dry hopping. Depending on if it's uh, what the locked or the free. Yeah, the free or the bound deals. Yeah. So it's, it, it and it, it mentioned that, you know, if, if you want to kind of have your best, best bang for your buck, uh, citra hops are really the better ones. Um, and, you know, they talk about some some hot side additions like Cascade, Hollertau, Pearl, Saws. And Saws was interesting to me too because that's one of those European hops that mm-hmm. they, you know, that call for uh, copper sulfate is being treated with. So if you wouldn't treat that Saws, apparently the um, number of the 3MH precursor, which is another which uh, Yeah, which can be turned is, into the 3MHA. Is kind of off the charts. They they actually said it's four times the amount that it are in Citra, uh, and well, and part of the reason we know that is because we have American saws and yeah. using that same mm-hmm. yeah. that same varietal. And that and that it's a good reminder to me that you know I always if if you know we talked about last week the um, the Vienna Lager that you brewed or the mm-hmm. Mybox these German beers, in my opinion. Saws hops for those beers are the best because it's like you add those late in the boil. Yeah, and they're just it's off the charts for as far as flavor and aroma go. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So I, I really want to talk about Thiel's beer aging and bottle conditioning okay. because this is this is super interesting to me. Uh, for one, because we can kind of see how volatile these flavors yeah. are. So we're talking about these things that have such a super low taste threshold so like if there's just a trace amount of them Mm -hmm. we can taste them but at the same time they're super volatile so they disappear with aging very quickly yeah yep yeah it talks about in in bottle conditioned beer um first of all it says the concentration of these these can increase during the first few months after you bottle condition Mm -hmm. and and he, he explains reasons why that happens but then within a year of storage they're gone yeah just yeah. completely gone, yeah. um, which makes sense. Like, we've all had beer very fresh, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, like, as it ages. Yeah, um, especially your favorite hoppy beers. 
yeah, yeah. it's hard yeah. to yeah. Well and I like I've tried um like I don't know, what was that like a year old or eighteen month old crooked grin that you guys had at the brewery yeah. that one time mm-hmm. and it was a night and day difference. And then you tried it next to a a seventeen year and a half old version of the uh, Vienna lager and you were like, Oh mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we we trolled one of our distributors one time and brought seventeen month old beer because yeah. they were like, Oh, I don't know, Northwest is going and we're like, try this and they're like, Oh, this was great and I was like, It's like seventeen <laughs> months old. Yeah. This is and how that, our shelf stability works. That right? that you know, that that also uh shows and I, I actually, you know, we're tangent a little bit that Vienna yeah. Lager or Zorro I had nothing to do with brewing that beer, but it shows the the quality of, of crafts craftsmanship in brewing that beer, but mm-hmm. also how the le- the less amount of hops that you have in a beer, the better shelf stable they are. Yeah, but I thought hops were supposed to make it more shelf stable because then it kills all the bugs in the thing. Well, you keep it cold mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's, doesn't then why would then how did we get IPAs, Brian? I don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so the this whole this whole idea of the uh, theols increasing during the first few months. And then, you know, dropping out entirely after a year, they did they did suggest that that might be because these were bottle conditioned beers and that extra that extra post fermentation process increases them and then and then pulls them away. Yeah, that pulls them Um, away. So that's something to think about. Um, It also said interesting enough and is that um, beer conditioned at 68 degrees Fahrenheit versus 55 degrees Fahrenheit increased these theols. Yeah, that makes sense. Look at, like, yeah, because yeast is, you know, got some action going with, yep. with those. Yeah. yeah. But it also seems like, I mean, so the higher the fermentation is, um, the more active the yeast is. This was bottle conditioning. Oh, it's just bottle conditioning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, as far as I understand. My, my concern with that is I think that bottle conditioning beer to get it carbonated to what you want at those higher temperatures is, is really great. But after you get it to where you, where you want it to be, it needs to stay at, at cellar temperatures yeah. in order for longevity. So it's like you kind of have to decide okay. what's more important. Well, and so like these are all sulfur compounds. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at this from a lager perspective. Like how do you get rid of that sulfury aroma and flavor from lagers? Mm-hmm. I don't know if the sulfur compounds that are in lagers is the same. I, I don't think it's the same, but sulfur compounds, uh, I guess from my experience, are extremely volatile. Mm-hmm. Like they, they want to go away. They want to leave. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for and sure. And it seems like this is very similar mm-hmm. to that, where mm-hmm. they, they don't want to be there, and we're trying to force them into these flavor things, but I don't know if they're going to stick around. Like, Well, I mean, it's, 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 the, it's the issue that we have with all hazy IPAs is they don't have a lot of shelf stability. You know? mm-hmm. Because of all of these things going into yeah. that, and this is just another layer yeah, of whether it's, flavor it's that's going to vanish. Flavor compounds change or... You know that that hazy sediment, which is you know, we've we've developed at the brewery now, where the the tap room um, uh, manager he in the morning when he comes in he jostles the kegs up to get the sediment because people want a hazy cloudy beer and that stuff naturally comes out of solution. I mean that's what lagering is for mm-hmm. beer. So you have a beer at a cold temperature and all those big proteins and you know, All those giant molecules that want to just like they're too heavy. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the I yeah. 
It's it, we're 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 unlearning everything that we've yeah. learned. Yeah. Yeah. This this book's done a number on us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Obviously. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that is, I guess, Theal's in aging. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can talk hop Theal potential. Sure. Is that the next section? Yeah. Here? That. Um, so, so if yeah. you guys haven't figured this out, Katie did the best notes. I did the best notes. So yeah, yeah I am I'm struggling here. Like I I get this, yeah. but yeah, I mean if yeah, and and at this point, if you if you know part of this is like giving you the information what the book says, but also applying it to practical knowledge. Yeah. Yes. So As per with if you this, want the with this step, section, read the book. Yeah, with this section of the chapter, it, it it basically you know it reminds us that in order for these theols to be released, especially with those bound ones, it needs that beta lyase enzyme. Yeah. So you have to figure out as a brewer how you wanna how you wanna get that in yeah. there. Um so as as a brewer, um we have we have two ways of doing this, right? Mm-hmm. We can use a yeast that has a lot of it, which would be a wine yeast, mm-hmm. or we can use the commercial product. Yeah. Um is this something you would consider in your hazies, like going out and trying to use like a wine? I don't. Uh, I don't see why not. Maybe on a pilot system, especially. Yeah, not? I was going to say the small yeah, batch the system. Okay. It would be interesting. Actually, I would be very interested too. There, there are a lot of things about. You know, we have our our hazy. It, we, you know, it's called Hudson, Hudson Haze. Haze, and there are a lot of things about that recipe that I I want to experiment with, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do it on a fifteen yeah. barrel scale. So yeah. we talk it would about be fun the... to just throw in like let's do our our American or our uh, New England. New England ale yeast that we use, IPA and ale then yeast. add some uh, and then, beta lyase. You know, maybe twenty. You know, take seventy five percent that, and then add some. You know, or a wine, little bit of of, of a of a Sauvignon Blanc yeast or something, just to see what. Yeah. Happens. Well, so but even not the yeast, but have you talked about adding, um, just adding the enzyme? Yeah, in? or that. Yeah, yeah and that's sure. fine, but we're you know getting away from the whole like oh, let's yeah. change one thing at a time. Yeah, and yeah. that's. The best way to, to, to do it if you're changing two things, yeah. you're not going to know which which and thing I don't, made the change. And you know, I don't have any experience as a as a beer brewer with using wine yeast, but it would be interesting to. I've um, done blends. You wanna, but yeah, if you want to, if you're doing a five a five gallon batch at home of a hazy IPA, and you know, I I as a home brewer, I either made a, a yeast starter or pitched for sure two packs. Of yeast, so maybe right. having one be an, an ale strain and then one being a, a, a white wine strain, just to see. I mean, it's going to ferment the, the sugar, so right, yeah. Uh, the next section is lessons from winemakers. Oh, winemakers! Yeah. So again, we mentioned uh, earlier that these theols have been extensively researched in in wines, especially white wines, um, and you know, just kind of quickly, the those were uh, the theols that winemakers utilize are bound in the grapes themselves. Um, I just want to say I've learned a lot more about wine reading this book than I ever knew about yeah. wine. I was going to yeah. say this, this, they call out like a specific wine yeast. That yeah, yeah. And they, and that it actually brings up the, uh, the good next point is that, um, you know, it says certain wine yeasts have a better ability to get these theols not trapped than others right and they're talking and about like using it for a bio transformation yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we've done an episode the nice on. thing about this research though is that some of the same theol compounds like that 4 MMP and the 3 MH and the 3 MHA um, they're all also found in hops 
as, so those are those are theols that are found in grapes, but they're also found in hops. So as a as a home brewer or a brewer, um, you can kind of utilize that knowledge to kind of figure out how how uh, winemakers can get these. Um, but that yeast that Brian was saying is the the one that they talk about is the VIN seven, oh, which is a blend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, uh, Scott Laboratories. That's I, I. I googled that, and it was Scott Laboratories has a. It's Alchemy Two. The other one that they talked about was it's a non Saccharomyces strain called Pachia Cluiveri. That's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. That's how I would. Oh, said. is that yeah. the one from New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that one. Um, the only thing about that one is that it says that it needs another yeast strain to ferment beer properly. So that would be a good ex- a good thing. Or that'd for, be a really good blend for using one, an ale yeah. and that one. Um, that one it says that it can only per, it can only ferment like five percent or something. Four to five. Yeah, and then um, it also can uh, produce some pretty hefty solventy off flavors if you which don't the have, sack can clean up. Yep, exactly. So that's just some ideas if you if you want to experiment with some yeast blending, especially yeah, a high high amounts of isoamyl acetate, mm-hmm. which are fruity banana. Yeah. Um, uh, but also ethyl acetate. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to skip the experiment section. Um, and we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll touch on copper and theols. Yeah. So copper, um, the way copper reacts with these theols is like the ions in the copper can pull some of these theols out. Um, but... It's such a small amount, especially on the homebrew level. Like mm-hmm. it's a non-issue. Like so, if you're yeah. using a copper chiller, like don't worry I, about it. I thought that was actually a really funny part because he said he he talked to Kiyoshi Takawai from Sapporo Breweries, and that researcher who is a leading hop brewing scientist in the world. He's like, yeah, don't worry about those those wort chillers, copper wort chillers. And then he's like, and then I did experiments. And he basically find, found that. Yeah. You know, just, just you know, long story short, that a lot of homebrewers have these copper wort chillers, and those aren't going to impact your your outcome if you're You would have fields. to add eight pounds of copper granules to a five-gallon batch to make any kind of difference. And that can't even be safe. That's a lot of copper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then don't drink that, because it doesn't sound good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, he he. I mean, he had a, he he sent these results out to a lab, and they you know it was like no noticeable difference. Between, yeah, it was yeah. uh yeah between a copper chiller and a stainless chiller. Um, the only difference they noticed was in the three mh, um, and it was thirty five uh ng per l, which mm-hmm. I think is nanograms per liter. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so, like that's such a small like it's imperceptible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's what he found too. So, yeah, yeah don't um, worry about those, those. What I would be curious about though are the people using uh, copper, uh, copper top boil kettles, mm. and what that would do mm-hmm. to the theol. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Or the you know these the breweries out there that have copper. You know, I know that like Sam uh, Boston Boston yeah. Brewing Company yeah. and there's other yeah. or uh, Anchor Steam. Mm-hmm. I think they use copper. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what how how their uh, their theol production is impacted without them even yeah. really realizing it. And yeah, they probably just don't realize it. They just don't get those it's flavors. All new. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, the malt derived theals mm-hmm. was actually really interesting. Um, just to kind of jump just slightly ahead, um, because of the way malt theals work is less than three percent of pre of theal precursors contained in malts could potentially lead to more than sixty four percent of three MH mm-hmm. in the final beer. Yeah. So malt is your big contributor mm-hmm. of these, mm-hmm. not necessarily the hops. Yeah. Which is and it's also it's grapes for wine, yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. also they they mention also it's malted barley. Yeah. Un- unmalted barley uh, doesn't necessarily yeah, don't they this. specifically say that the adjunct actually adjuncts like, will reduce reduces. your deals, but oh, it, it, really it, yeah mm. <laughs> right and when we're looking at hazies uh-huh. there's a lot of adjuncts you need, you yeah. need oh man I don't even know what to think <laughs> but so uh, part of this like it makes sense though for me that the the malted grains are like are comparable to like the wine because you think like the husk of the grain is somewhat comparable to the skin of the grape, which is where the theals are coming from in the white wine, right? There, there has to be some comparison there yeah. as oh, far as oh, like the, yeah. the like the organic compound, um, and so that makes sense to me. But the fact that the the malting process has something to do with it too is mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, but yeah, so if you can do a one hundred percent like malted grain grist, so uh, that I mean, it still gives you your chip malt and mm-hmm. your. Yeah, I was just thinking the dextrin and, and malted. Yeah. yeah. God, wheat. Yeah, malted yeah, to- wheat works. Torrified is torrified. Would is that be torrified? Mal- yeah. There's, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. malted wheat. Yeah, too. or oat oat malt instead of. Mm-hmm. Flaked instead of flaked, mm-hmm. yep. so you can still use, I guess, "quote unquote" those adjuncts. Yeah, mm-hmm. but as long as they're malted, you'll mm-hmm. probably be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so what a relief! Your your malt <laughs> pulls pulls a lot of this. It, it, like and so to to give you, if you haven't read the book, the malt drive three theals chapter or i guess section of this chapter is literally two paragraphs <laughs> and it's 64 percent of the theo it's <laughs> insane but the book is a scientific guide to hop i know a but flavor. yeah yeah 64 <laughs> percent i know i know in two two paragraphs and then we have and i don't want to you know we're not going to diss the the, the, anything, but like then the the next section is the theol synergy and hop derived esters. I, this was the point where I just my brain stopped, and I it actually just, I just, haven't read this, and and it's like four pages, and I don't know if so I... basically um so the theol synergy and hop derived esters is kind of what we've been talking about the entire time. Okay, uh, you need to so look at the high theol um, hops. And the hops that you're like, and like the hops that you're already looking at adding, and then the theals that those hops can add. So if you have um, hops that are high in four MMP or four, is it four MMP or just four MMM? It doesn't matter. Uh, like that black currant flavor. Mm-hmm. Use those with other hops that will accentuate those flavors. Mm-hmm. I actually, and I, so you're looking at like the salting of the spice here. Well, and mm-hmm. I actually was, you know, when we when we go back to very early on in the episode, we talked about uh, hops that, um, you know, have high, medium, and lower levels of these theols. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, you know, at at hop hop and barrel, we we 
almost always blend our dry hops with at least two or three different varieties. And so I'm wondering if blending in a hazy IPA, blending, you know, taking a high level hop and maybe having that be the majority and then having a, a medium, you know, if, if those, if, if, if that could Im- impact um, hop flavor instead of, you know, instead of doing all three high or whatever. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, that, that sort of, yeah, you're, you're layering flavor. You're layering. Yep. Yep. And that's, and, and that's all we're talking about. And you do that chapter. with malts and, you know, you do that with everything in, in brewing really. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you use like, yeah. So if you blend like some that are high and some that are like medium and mm-hmm. then like you're pulling in uh, like hops rich in geriano mm-hmm. and linalool mm-hmm. and like playing with all of these flavors, it's just another tool in the toolbox mm-hmm. to accentuate some of these flavors. And I guess like if we're looking at hazies, you're really looking at um, the 3MH I would think, or the 3MHA is really what you want. Yeah. Like that grapefruit, gooseberry, guava, or passion fruit and guava. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, look at hops high in those. All right. So, key findings through this chapter, and I, I feel like we may have been a little scattershot. Thank you, Katie, for bringing us yeah, focused yeah. a little bit more. Uh, we were all very like this is such a deep topic. Mm-hmm. I even, I even uh, pulled out my old organic chemistry textbook <laughs> oh my god <laughs> wow uh-huh. dedication all right uh so main main thiel studied hops and grapes are 4mmp black currants 3mh grapefruit gooseberry guava and 3mha passion fruit and guava the thiel 3mha is converted from 3mh uh thiels from hops can contribute to the fruitiness of a beer because their low taste thresholds can be found in uh and can be found in both free and bound forms. The liberation of bound thiols is done via an enzyme, which we've talked about, uh, beta-lyase from yeast. Certain wines have been found to be the most effective or commercial enzyme product. Uh, hops high in bound thiol precursors should be added during the late hopping phase mm-hmm. to help cleave these precursors during fermentation. And I would assume that's the heat that needs, needs that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other hand, hops that are rich in free thiols can be added to the dry hop where enzyme activity from the yeast isn't required to release the aromatic thiols. So it's not just necessarily the heat, but also the, uh, that initial enzymatic activity from the yeast. Like when all those, when you have that, like the initial rush of the yeast, just consuming everything Mm -hmm. versus just the cleanup phase. Yeah. Um, so late there, or I guess high croissant would do the same thing. That biotransform. Yeah. Um, American-grown hops tend to have more beneficial thiols because we use less copper. As and a fungicide. As a fungicide. Potentially, yeah. Yep. Uh, the 3MH thiol precursor was found in higher concentrations in malted barley versus non-malted barley, suggesting all grist, uh, or an all-malt grist could help promote 3MH to 3MHA conversion, which means we need to roll back what we said about adjuncts mm-hmm. and just use barley. Or, or or just, again, change them to, instead of using flaked oats, use uh, malted oat. Well, but see, this, yeah, but but we're talking about barley specifically. considered oh. an adjunct, though? Like, yeah, it, it would it be an adjunct. Malted, like, like we're, we're talking about yeah. malted barley. But, but uh, oat malt is malted. Yeah, but it's not barley. Yeah, but it's not barley. But they the were, point. well, okay, and, and I'd have to, but, but, they also mentioned that the malting process. The malting process does do something. So yeah, does huh. the malting of oats it requires yeah. more research? It clearly, definitely yeah. requires yeah. more. Just a but, just a hypothetical or whatever you know, yeah. just a 
throwing it out there. Um, Fields from hops can have a positive synergistic impact on fruit forward flavors in beers. For example, for example, for MMP can lower flavor perceived thresholds for monoterpene alcohols like geraniol. 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 Mm-hmm. I got there. It's like yeah, a perennial. You're, you're learning. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Uh, almost twice the amount of 3MHA was measured in a beer fermented at 59 uh, degrees Fahrenheit or 15C compared to one at 71 mm-hmm. degrees Fahrenheit, 21C, um, which is a really interesting thing uh, we should talk about with, especially with Kvike strains. Yeah. Uh, which are really big right now mm-hmm. um, in the homebrewers uh, side. Not really so much on the pro side. No. I, I, but I, I, you know, I thought about that, and I wonder if the just the mechanism of those Kvike strains, it's it's almost it just like increases that temperature threshold. Yeah. Because they they already tolerate higher temperatures, so maybe maybe um, it maybe it would do. But the it same, does but yeah. it you know it does change my old school mentality of you know you think you know it's like oh you ferment them a little warmer and you get more fruit you know yeast fruity esters. If you that, want the yeasty esters, like we're looking I know, at, yeah. So, you know, it's but but you know, yeah, it's um, just yeah. So that it d- definitely does make me think about fermentation temperature of of hazy IPAs for sure. Uh, yeah, three uh, MH was also te- uh, tested significantly higher at cooler fermentation temperatures, suggesting that theals may benefit from cooler ferments, mm, which makes sense because they're very volatile. Yes, and the colder things are, the more they want to stay in suspension and in solution. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to add on Theos? All right. Um, I was just ready to leave. Let's just get up and go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have to press some more buttons. All right, guys. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and just an email at feedback at blindersstudios.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Blinders Ninja. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.